On this week's episode of Talkstone, we chat about the Hearthstone competitive points leaders for the year of the Raven. We discuss HCT Sweden at DreamHack Winner. Special guest in studio, Sam Braithwaite, senior global franchise lead for Hearthstone Esports, joins us to talk about what's happening in 2019. And as always, we present this week's well-playing moment in, yep, meme history. Everybody get in here. Let's break down all the esports action. Welcome to Talkstone, your premier source for all things competitive Hearthstone news and analysis. My name is Frodo. And I'm TJ. And this is our last episode of 2018. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, the final one. What episode number is this? 15. Uh, from our producer, Nicole Blaylock. Yeah. Does a fantastic job, a.k.a. Glitch. Uh who also has, by the way, a better hair game than me. TJ, I'm going through a little bit of a hair crisis right now because I don't know what to do for Roscon's Rumble. And, you know, usually I try to, like, theme my hair for something. This is obviously, like, Boom's Day. It's on its last legs because it's fading. But Roscon's Rumble, the color palette is kind of all over the place. So I don't know what to do. You have to make your hair into the shape of a loa. <laughs> Which loa? There's so many of them. A rhino. A rhino. I like the shark one. I could. I think I could pull off a shark fin. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could pull You off. laughed and giggled as you said that, so that's a terrible idea. <laughs> I think you could pull off the rhino horns quite well. <laughs> just a straight-up yeah. rhino horn. It doesn't horn. really matter what color. Like, just, not the hair, but just actually wear a horn. Yeah, because that's the next step in your hair game, right? Yeah, it, you've, it, you've gone through each colors, but your your style's always been always been the same, right? So it's time to not only go with the color scheme, but also to just straight up role play as something within the expansion. I don't even know why I bother asking. This is just a terrible. Idea. <laughs> we're we're going to talk a little bit about uh, 2019's announcements. With that, we're going to dive in later of the show with Sam. Uh, there's some big news that dropped last week. If you guys didn't know, with Che and Sam announcing some of their future for Hearthstone Esports, and of course, uh, we're going to talk about some stuff that also has happened in, as a year review. So let's start off with uh, what we teased in the very beginning. The final points leaders are in, so we know who is joining us for the World Championships for the year of the Raven, DJ. That's right. Uh, so for the Americas, uh, Justine was the regional points leader, uh, but since he's qualified for the World Championship, that goes down to second place, which is his teammate, Muzzy, uh, which is a very cool story because Muzzy was there to support him uh, at the uh, fall championship. And uh, they kind of knew, because Muzzy had such a huge lead over third place, that it was going to happen. Uh, but when Justin qualified, uh, he knew that he'd also qualified Muzzy in the process. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Uh, of course, the Europe representative is going to be Hunter Ace. I think that's no surprise to anybody who's been keeping Shocker. up uh, with the scene uh, for any part of the year, uh, really. And for Asia Pacific, Tyler uh, has received uh, his spot uh, for the points right. lead with a, a pretty big lead, actually, towards the end. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think like, Blood Trail was pretty close to him, but also Blood Trail had right. a, a spot at the World Championship. So even if he had passed him, uh, it still would have gone to Tyler. Uh, so right. uh, Actually, it was fairly close. Right behind Blood Trail was, I think, the rest of the pack, and yeah. they were all within a few points of each other. So it was uh, a very big cluster at like second slash third, and then Tyler at number one. So our points leaders, all very convincing victories in the in the lead. Um, definitely want to give a shout out to some other people who are very strong in contention. You know, Fino or Monsanto, a mm -hmm. few other people, you know, Rivius, all very close, and we've seen them go, uh, go far on the ACT stage. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, Muzzy gets in as the player who was second in his region this year. He went to the Fall Championships to support Sand, 
and, you know, like help him with his series, but also kind of root for him for his own personal interest, which is like, you know, kind of a fun thing too because, you know, if your friend wins, you win, etc. Yeah, also to make sure he went to bed on time. Yes, uh, yes. Ate healthy meals in the morning. Yeah, so maybe, uh, you know, mess with Sinto a little bit beforehand. Like, hey, you want to play some WoW with me? Like the night before your match, your top yeah. eight match with You want to go play Pictionary until 4 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> Hearthstone Pro has been going hard for online Pictionary lately. They've been inviting me to all of these games, and they stay up really late. But uh, what was really funny is for the qualifying match, I think Muzzy was so exhausted from all of his travels and preparing for the Saiyan the night before that he actually fell asleep during Saiyan's top eight qualifying match. <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture of it. And it was so funny. It's like, man, like even the moment of glory. Like that was his epic moment, you know, where like confetti is supposed to like break out metaphorically. Like, yeah, you're going to the world championships. And Muzzy was passed out because he was so tired yeah. in the stands. But um, good for all the the Hearthstone masters that made it. Um, and with that, you know, there's a lot of like you know questions about how the master system is going to care of the 2019. But I think the thing to focus on is quite the achievement that we have for all the two and three star masters that are currently solidified their place now that the point standings are in. Yeah, I think at the beginning of the year there was a lot of people that said all oh, three star masters is un- un- unobtainable. Nobody's going to be able to reach it. And uh, the fact that we have uh, a few three star and uh, you know a handful of two stars is is a pretty cool thing, and they'll still be able to reap the benefits of that. And also, it'll still be uh, exclusive to them, right? Calling them three-star masters. We have the transitional season coming up, which was announced uh, with the plans where uh, players will still be able to earn points, uh, especially with winter playoffs coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll still be able to get the rewards if they reach those point thresholds, uh, which we added a new point threshold as as well uh, at the very bottom, which I heard a lot of people calling like baby masters. Uh, but uh, they won't uh, be called three-star master. So even if they get 200 uh, points in the transitional season, they won't the be called a three-star master. Yeah. They'll still be able to reap the benefits, yeah. uh, you know, kind of those rewards. But they did not get that. They don't get the prestige yeah, that comes along with, with it. It's still it's the same rewards. But, yes. Um, and, and the reason why we say that is only because to acknowledge how impossibly it's actually not even impossible they literally did it yeah how ridiculous it is that hunter ace and saiyan were able to achieve this and some people were really close like 190 points mm-hmm. or so um but also the the difference between hunter ace and saiyan is even alarming too it's like 30 point difference like yeah hunter ace is very clearly in two-star masters saiyan barely got over the hump and he went through one of the most dominant streaks in hearthstone history tj i'm just in utter disbelief about how consistent these guys were throughout the year to land this achievement. Yeah. Even though everyone said it was just impossible to do. Yeah. And I think it'll still be impressive for the players that hit uh, that 200 point threshold uh, in the transitional season. Uh, They get, you know, very similar benefits to being a three-star master. Uh, The one thing that uh, they don't get is those uh, monthly master's cups uh, that will go away once the transitional period ends, Uh, which by the way, those are going to be starting up pretty soon, which I think is pretty cool. That's right. Um, because we finally have enough uh, actual uh, Masters players uh, to do those those <laughs> monthly cups. Yes, uh, which, that is actually not just a joke anymore. It's not just a meme. No, it's, it's not. It, they're, they're actually taking place, but those uh, players that do hit that 200-point threshold or you know the 175 or, or 150 or even 120 uh, will still get the new rewards that are outlined in um, – in our 2019 esports announcements, which you guys can go see. So I'm still looking forward to see which players end up hitting those thresholds uh, just to see. Yeah, um, and I also think that, that it's impressive. But I don't think anybody – this is a this is a pretty bold statement, I guess, but I don't think anybody will reach that level of success uh, that 
uh, just saying, and, and Hunter Ace and Muzzy had uh, in in tandem together this year. It was just such a cool thing to watch coming from someone who's been in the scene for four years now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even Tyler, too, not only going number one points, but making it to the fall championship to help solidify that result. Fantastic all the way through. So uh, as of this time of the recording for this episode, we are still determining the final tally of points because the, the season just ended uh, a couple days ago. So I think we're making sure that we get all the right 64 players or more uh, for each region as we get ready for the ultimate standings, which is going to be exciting to see. Let's talk a little bit about uh, all the stuff coming up or what just happened. So, mm-hmm. ACT Sweden or DreamHack Winter just concluded. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, ACT Philadelphia is coming up in a week or two after Roscon's Rumble. It's going to be exciting because uh, I believe I might even be casting that. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and then the Winter Playoffs right after that, too. After, we celebrate the holidays after ACT Philly. Take some time for Christmas and New Year's. And then we go into, TJ, our favorite time of the year. Right into playoffs. it. Whew. Playoffs. I love playoffs. Uh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm also really excited for HGT Philadelphia. Um, it's very soon after an expansion. It is in the that transition season that we talked about, so players aren't going to be uh, going there to secure a spot at the World Championship or anything like that. Um, but it will be a very cool uh, tournament to watch just because so many new decks and new archetypes could yeah. uh, pop up. I think, you know, during Boomsday, um, the Boomsday meta was cool, but we saw a lot of the same archetypes and, uh, you know, same decks with w- revamped, right? We saw Death Rattle Hunter again, but with spider bombs. and right. uh, It was more like a shuffling of decks in a way. Yeah, it was like we, we exactly. added a few tools and you shuffled them in, and then the, the, the tier list kind of reorganized. We had yeah. a couple of new things, like Cloning Gathering Priest made quite a comeback. Yep. Or right now, sorry, quite a rise, and then yes. you have some archetypes that we thought were dead made quite the comeback. But Rastakhan's Rubble, I think, judging now, you know, uh, we're recording, you know, what before ten hours before Rastakhan's Rumble is released. Uh, it, it appears that we're going to shake things up pretty significantly. There's a lot of cards that seem like they could be deck defining, potentially meta defining, mm-hmm. um, high power level across the board. And uh, I think that we're going to be seeing a lot of new archetypes, and I, I'm going to love to see players experiment. So I'm looking forward to that. And, of course, playoffs are soon after that, which is just long enough to where we start to get some refinement. It's about a month. Uh, your playoff starts right. about a month after expansion is uh, released. So we have just enough time for refinement, but still there could be some decks that, that prop up uh, oh, yeah. that oh, we've yeah. never seen. And that's the case for almost all the playoffs this year. They kind of had a similar uh, time structure. Uh, so uh, really looking forward to, to that as well. Yeah, you start off with Witchwood meta where people like were starting to catch on to the even Paladin train, Yep, which we'll talk about later too, by the way. Um, and then you saw the transition. like People were like like playing Control Priest and like Taunt Druid and even Paladin and all the other decks were like starting to, to grow more in popularity or fall based off what their performances were. And uh, you saw the same thing with Boomsday. I mean, you saw this weird pocket meta in Boomsday, which was probably my favorite part of anything in HCT during that season, was Rivius playing, like, the double or triple Megathune lineup. Yeah. And it was just, like, really weird, janky stuff, and it was just awesome to see um, the evolution week to week. Playoffs are really cool, and, and people might be wondering, why don't you do playoffs, like, the week after release? And that's because things are so new that it's just, really uncertain and pro players need to put time to practice so that you can show masterful play if everything is just super chaotic you'll have everyone spamming 
you know, the the Shutter Walk shot, or even Mechathune Druid would be the first thing everyone played. Remember on day one of the Boobs Day expansion, I was yeah. like, oh, Mechathune Druid is like insanely broken, or Shutter Walk Shaman's insanely broken. They realized there was weaknesses to that deck, uh, and then people started refining. So yeah. give a little bit of space and breather, especially let people celebrate Christmas and New Year's. We learned that lesson <laughs> yeah. for several years now in Hearthstone. And come around January, playoffs in full force. The gang gets reunited. It's going to be really exciting. I, I can't wait. Uh, looking forward to that. And, of course, winter championships uh, a few weeks after playoffs. And then the world championships uh, after that um, with rotation. It's just it's a lot to look forward to in 2019. Yes. It's going to be a fantastic year. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves, TJ. We also have the last tour stop of Boom's Day, which was HCT Sweden at DreamHack Winter. Um what were some of the storylines that stuck out to you as we get to watch this unfold? Uh, quite a few. Um, the first one being that we had uh, a final that was two kind of newcomers uh, to the scene. Uh, Burrow, a really young player, I think he's 19 years old from Germany, uh, ended up taking the whole thing. Uh, very meticulous player. Um, you know, you, you showed him on every time he was shown on screen, he looked either just focused or nervous like that was it there was no like emotion in between no like playfulness like a lot of the experienced players that dream had kind of experience and it was really cool to see him just kind of methodically work his way up uh that top 16 uh and he won against a uh, uh, paradub a czech player um who was across the weekend was kind of painted like this this bad boy right you know <laughs> Uh, he's got that like slick, t- uh, you know, silver hair to the side. Uh, he was emoting a lot, and you know, kind of almost taunting his opponents at times when he was on broadcast. Because they at DreamHack they sit right in front of each other. Yes, it's uh, kind of jarring when they peel back and say these players are five feet from each other. Um, and he ended up losing in, in the finals, but still showed uh, a very impressive play yeah. playing the uh, uh, that that big. Big priest kind the of cloning gallery piece, whatever yeah. you want to call it, like yeah. combo priest. Um, which that deck, by the way, has made quite the resurgence in the late Boomsday meta. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were already on the fence, on the positive side of the fence. They were like starting to make the jump before the nerves came. They were like starting to experiment. I know Asthma Die and Savits and all of them were still like experimenting and having good results, and then started making its way into tournament lineups, kind of as a joke, and then. What Lee? Who is it that went one with uh, this cloning gallery priest in one of the tour stops, and then it just carried over momentum, and people just started playing it a lot in tournaments. It's like, wow, this is actually a legit deck. Yeah. And I think that was one of the hidden gems from the Boomsday meta. Just, I think this is a, a fairly unique way that Priest has played. Um, I know people compare it to Big Priest, but it has such a more dynamic game. Oh, it's way more dynamic. It's way it's, more uh, dynamic. Much more than Barnes it, Four. It's not a traditional combo deck. Right, you do yeah. have the combo where sometimes if you draw all your non-combo minions, you Zerg Cloning Gallery on turn nine, get Malagos, Velen, double Raid Elemental, and have double Mind Blast in hand right. for forty damage. Sure, then it's yeah, a true those combo deck. Happen once in a while, but that doesn't happen very often. And navigating, um, you know, maximizing spell stones and maximizing life gain with Spirit Lash, when to just play things out, when to hold on to resources, really intricate deck uh, to play. A lot of different ways to win the game. That's right. Um, and we're seeing, like, Witchwood Grizzlies make its way into the deck now, which gives you an even uh, another alternate win condition, sort of, Great against more aggressive target. decks. Yeah, so I uh, really like the deck. And uh, one thing I also want to mention is Burrow, he had Quest Rogue in his tournament-winning lineup. Uh, yeah, actually, 
several people had Quest Rogue in the top eight. It was eight, very prevalent in the top 16. Is there going to be, what, another nerf to Quest Rogue? <laughs> I feel like Quest Rogue is the fifth ultimate at this point. cockroach of Hearthstone. Just will not die. This deck just refuses to quit. Like, there's just no way it ever will be irrelevant. And uh, I think it's also just supplanted by the fact that it's a hard deck to play. A lot of people still um, are debating about a lot of lines that they can take. You look at guys like Rage, who finished number one uh, you know, a month ago with Quest Rogue, and he was like, yeah, I think this deck is still fantastic. It's just it's harder than it's been you know, ever because of how much it's gotten nerfed and limited, yeah. limited by the... Um, some of the the patch changes so it's it's really cool to see these small innovations that still happened even when you know quite candidly speaking towards the end of a content cycle that's when people are most like you know they don't really watch or care nearly as much about um the meta evolving because they're like well i'm looking forward to a new set everyone's talking about the new set the new cars expansion that's what people are focusing on they're focusing less on like what can i do to innovate this boomsday meta yeah and yet people are still doing it that's what makes me really happy yeah uh it was really cool to see you know even paladin start cropping up on ladder in the tournaments like a few weeks ago but right. really on full force with both players in the final uh having even Paladin in their lineup i want to go over burrow's winning uh lineup which was quest rogue uh death rattle hunter Malagos Druid and the Even Paladin, uh, which seems like uh, uh, the Even Paladin, Malagos Druid, Death on Hunter seems pretty common. Uh, it was in a lot of players' lineups. Uh, the Quest Rogue, very interesting. And I like how you mentioned it's getting harder and harder to play. People are still finding ways to use it, but yeah. Lab Recruiter makes its way into the deck now to have a win condition in Fatigue. Uh, we're seeing Ziliax also make its way into the deck to have extra defensive tools to kind of fill the void of Giggling Inventor. Um, it's 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 just stall. <laughs> like, yeah, everything is just stall. I mean, is, I yeah. I've won games where I just lab recruited my Ziliax. Yeah, and I just had to rely on that to stall until I can draw Valera. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, pretty uh, it's cool to see the evolution of the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious where it's gonna sit in Rossicon's Rumble. That's yeah. what I'm I'm looking forward to the most. I don't think they got that much support. Uh, but we've said that about cards sure in previous that. sets <laughs> that just end up finding their way into the deck and making it more powerful. So yeah, uh, we'll sure. definitely have to see. But a nod to some other players that made it to the top 16. Uh, Boston and Fieli, two very prominent tour stop players this year, uh, fell out in the semifinals. Uh, DeVito, uh, who uh, a Polish player, made it. Tyler's in top eight. Um, yep. We saw uh, Toast Monster. And Board Control made top 16. Board Control made top 16. That's right. It, it's cool that we actually get to see the, the tour actually do what it's supposed to do, which is discover new names. So even though people might look at DreamHack Winter and just be like, oh, these are just two, quote, randoms that we don't know about. It's like that's what the system's supposed to help do. We we balance out Sane and Hunter Aces and Sane Streak by having some new challengers come to the throne. And remember, Hunter Ace was just a random 18-year-old kid from Norway that challenged players just a year and a half ago at some of these events. Maybe Burrow and, and all these new young youngins can challenge Hunter Ace in, yeah. all of them in, in the coming years. I, I want to see that happen. Burrow showed a lot of the qualities uh, that these players had when they were first making their breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, even just his presence on camera kind of reminded me of like Muzzy or Saiyan back in the day. Um, so uh, And his play as well to back it up. So hopefully we'll see a lot more of him. And uh, overall, uh, a pretty good tour stop uh, to round off uh, the the Boomsday meta. All right, and now it's time, TJ, for the well-played moment where every episode we pick a moment that stands out from the competitive scene, and that was the most well-played. Now, this week is a little bit of a different twist, actually, um, on the well-played moment. Even though I gave that preface that we pick, like, 
wow, this is like incredibly well played, and you know, you know, GG, that was sick. Uh, this one was just such a unique way to win a game that I think no one will be dissatisfied by our choice. So we're taking creative liberty with with uh, the well played moment this week, yes. and even though the moment was kind of well played, it was well played. We recognize the moment. It was pretty well played. At the very least, this is a play that would make your opponent use the well-played emote. Unironically. Unironically. This is a play that if it happened to you on ladder, you wouldn't even be mad. You'd be kind of happy that it happened. You'd take a screenshot, yeah. and you'd post it to your friends. That's what this play is. Okay. And so we decided to highlight it. Uh, this play was from uh, round number five of the Swiss, a match between Tyler and Yarla, two very well-known players. Great players. It was a Shutterwalk Shaman mirror match, uh, which can get pretty weird. A lot of times they're very straightforward. One player draws the full combo, plays Shutterwalk, the other player can't do anything. But when you throw Hagatha into the mix, that's when it gets weird. And this play was exactly that. Yarla had Hagatha rolling, and uh, one of the spells that he received from Hagatha was a Stormbringer which turns all of your minions onto the board card. into random legendary minions. He used it on a very small board because he didn't really have any other plays to do. He had removal in his hand, a couple of healing reigns with pretty high life total. Uh, he had Shutter Walk, but not enough of the combo to just drop it on the board. So he went with the Stormbringer. And from the Stormbringer, Yarla gets a Black Howl gun turret. This is a 3-8 warrior legendary minion that, said, that can't attack. It says it straight up, like Ancient Watcher, can't attack. Whenever this minion takes damage, deal three damage to a random enemy. So it's kind of got a knife juggler-like effect. So a lot of people were theory crafting with warrior. You can enrage it, do a bunch of cool like uh, whirlwind effects, and then hit your opponent for big combo damage. But it never came into reality. So no. people actually kind of forgot about what this card can actually do to the point where Yarla was reading the card during his turn. Like he was like hovering over it and squinting his eyes trying to like imagine what's going on and then he's trying to realize like does this actually work the way I think it does or is it like a one time activation if I like destroy this minion with volcano yeah so he's like trying to figure out the interaction Tyler doesn't even realize what's going on he just l- trades into this Indragosa instead and leaves the gunspire turret by itself it's like oh, I can't attack should be fine and then Yarla says sees okay my my gunspire has 8 health if it deals 3 damage for each time it loses a health, it'll be 24 damage. Tyler's at 23, clear board. I'm just going to go for it. But he hesitates because he's still not sure about he's this still, interaction. Yeah, after the, the Cinder Ghost trades into the Grumble, which Tyler had left on the board, he's he just mouses over it, looks at Volcano, mouses over it again, <laughs> sees his opponent has 23 health, does the math in his head. Three. It's going to hit it eight times. 24. He's at 23 health. Right. <laughs> he's and, and, and he's like wondering, like, if I get this wrong and I only deal three damage for some reason because I didn't know the interaction, yeah. is this like too bad? If it's like, whatever, rip it. And then Tyler's just kind of like nodding off, like, oh, I can't wait for this guy to take his turret. Oh, shut up, walk, shut up. Realizes what's happening. He starts laughing. Yeah. He just recognized that he completely fumbled because he had hex. Could have addressed that yeah. uh, that that gun turret the entire time. And, you know, yes, Tyler could have played that situation better, but that's one of those situations where it's so far and few in between when that actually happens to you that it's a story worth telling. And that's often when I drop the well-played emote unironically to yeah. my opponent. And it's like, I, I think that's a fantastic like instance of competitive Hearthstone where you can just take a, sit back, a, a step back and realize how f- much fun you're having. So we wrap up HCT Sweden at DreamHack Winter. 
Uh, it was a good good tournament, good well-played moment. Uh, but, Dan, this weekend I got to cast Collegiate Regional Playoffs, uh, which was uh, a pretty cool event to watch, trying to see some of the up-and-coming collegiate players. And uh, coming up next week is actually the uh, start of the Collegiate National Championship uh, for that's the, cool for the fall season. Yeah, yeah uh, we see a lot of great talent go through the collegiate uh, circuit. You have Knob Lord, who, in my opinion, is actually one of the the, the greatest thinkers um, of Hearthstone out there, especially for the Americas, let alone the global scene. Um, very underrated player, language hacker, our fall champion, yeah. went through the uh, the collegiate scene. So you have a lot of uh, up and coming talent that plays through that circuit. So you know, don't write it off just because you know that they're quote amateur players playing for scholarships. Uh, some of these people, I mean, a lot of these people got some serious skills. Yeah, I think uh, one of the coolest stories out of the weekend was uh, a player named Ryder, who you may recognize from yeah. uh, HGT uh, playoffs and tour stops alike, was specifically recruited. Uh, by Utah, uh, University of Utah, uh, for their esports program as a Hearthstone player coming out of high school. Uh, and they've qualified to the Collegiate National Championship representing the West. Uh, so uh, a pretty cool story oh. coming out of there. So that's why his username was Ryder HS. The HS stand for I'm still in high school. Yes, it was. So they knew uh, to recruit him. But I'm looking forward to that and take a look at this, uh, at this promo, Dan, promo time uh, for Collegiate Hearthstone. Welcome back to Talks on Everybody. We're joined by our special guest, Sam Braithwaite, our senior global franchise lead, comma, Harson Esports. There you go. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, great to have you. I know there's been some exciting news in recent times about what's coming up next for Harson Esports, and I think a lot of people are really uh, curious about the changes. I mean, there's a lot happening. Uh, you, I mean, even from 2017 to 2018. Yeah. It was a lot of changes, and now once again, uh, a lot of changes. So let's let's just talk a little bit about exactly that. So, what are some of the goals going into next year that you guys have for this entire scene and community? Yeah, so we're only able to kind of release a little bit of the information right now. But what really wanted we were trying to do is get things ahead of the players because we knew a new season was coming out, and we wanted to let people know what they could expect for next year. Hearthstone has this weird off-cycle esports thing to where our season ends in April, and it makes it so that you know. Our 2019 announcement is really, uh, you know, April and beyond of next year. Uh, but some of the things that we're really excited about is what we're really trying to do is not simplify, but streamline the Hearthstone esports experience, both for players and fans alike. Uh, one of the things that we're finding is just Hearthstone is, is a difficult esport to follow. There's a lot going on. People are earning points through a lot of various ways. The travel fatigue is very real. Um, and at the end of the day, when you sit down with some of the best players in the world and they're unable to stream the game and build their own personality because they're traveling too much or the burden of grinding ladder is too much, um, that's an issue that we need to address. And so what we're really trying to do first and foremost is take a step back and make a really consistent experience for both fans and players alike when we look at Hearthstone Esports next year. Um, on top of that, one of our other big goals is 
we really want to try and kind of reapproach how we're showing Hearthstone esports to our fans. We think that there's still a core esport experience that we want to deliver on, but we really want to try and take a different tone next year with how we're doing our broadcast to be a little bit more educational and more entertaining for our fans. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So when you say educational, are you saying me and TJ don't do a good job already educating all the fans out there about the you know, being Hearthstone. Yeah, being come on, Sam. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's not. What I'm, that's what the people are saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just the voice wow. of the people. You know, okay. but no, like, uh, you know, we, we we do a lot of surveys here at Blizzard, and one of the things that we find is that, like, a surprisingly large amount of people watch professional Hearthstone to get better at the game. And so it makes me think, what are we doing as the broadcast team? What are we doing as the people who are organizing the formats and the design? How are we making the entire Hearthstone Esports experience, something to where when you're watching, you're becoming a better deck builder. You're becoming a better player. You're making the mechanical decisions. Um, how do we put you more into the mindset of a professional player and show you what they're thinking and maybe even give you glimpses of it during a, a game that's actually happening? Wow. And that so it is one of those it. things that we're going to try and be focusing on. Uh, and we think that there's a really big opportunity that we're missing right there. Of How are we as the Esports team making people better at Hearthstone? Yeah, all, all jokes aside, Sam, you're saying all the right things that gets me excited, and you know I'm I'm the one uh, you know broadcasting uh, some of the times for you guys, so it's really cool to hear. I know one of the things that you guys wanted to go into 2018 for this year was trying to find who are the true best players, and you know, and now that we have some players who I feel like have separated themselves from the pack as elite, do you guys feel like that goal was successfully hit? Because yes, you mentioned a little bit of burnout and grind, but I do feel like the collection of elite players we have now. No one's going to argue with whether or not these players deserve to have those results. We have some amazing consistency this year. Totally. Uh, I think that this, this year's system definitely worked in identifying who are the best Hearthstone players in the world. So now that we know who those players are, how many people amongst outside of like that core esports group know who those players are? Does your average Hearthstone player know who Hunter Ace is? Do they know who Muzzy is? Just saying, you know, that's what we want to do is we want to be able to create and, you know, one of the tiers of competition that we'll be talking about later is that tier three, that premier competition. How are we taking these guys and how are we giving them a runway to build their own brands and their own personalities? How are we giving them the opportunity to become a professional Hearthstone player? And what is the lifestyle of a professional Hearthstone player? And I think that's one of those things that we need to, to relook at. We spend our year identifying who those best players are. Okay, we have them. Now, how do we give them the breathing space to actually be able to utilize this, you know, three-star master that they earned? Mm -hmm. How do they actually correlate that into success both in and out of the game? Um, and I think that's one of those things that we missed the ball on this year. Wow, it's a lot of detail. The lifestyle of the Hearthstone. Yeah, I can tell you my lifestyle. It's a lot of chips and salsa <laughs> and water at my computer desk. But um, you actually hit upon the three-tier system. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, so let's start from the very bottom, the qualifier, uh, the qualifiers compared to what you guys had in the past. So why such a drastic change? Why go straight into qualifiers in terms of tournaments? Yeah, I think for us, specifically if we use ladder as an example, I think we were missing what we were trying to do ultimately with our goal on ladder. Um, it ended up turning into uh, a grind, often unpredictable for the players at the end of the season, uh, about where they stand. Um, it, it, I think it's a different story when we want it to be a little bit more approachable. If you ask anybody, uh, what does it take to be a Hearthstone pro? Um, the amount of hours and the amount of like gruesome, I would like to call non-fun non grinding that people are putting in is something that we're trying to remove from the situation. We want to make it a very clear and easy path to becoming a pro player. The mix of points that you get from ladder compared to going to different tour stops, um, 
it got really confusing and a lot of people didn't even understand it that were competing and most point earners don't even know sometimes that they even earned points from competing on the ladder or how and so what we really wanted to do was make it so that okay I want to be involved in professional Hearthstone. What does it take for me to go and compete at a live event with people that I know and see? Well, it should just take signing up and playing in a tournament. And if you win that tournament, you've earned that spot. And that's a story that's really easy to digest for everybody from players to viewers. And for you guys on the broadcast team to be able to say, hey, this is how this player got to an event. Um, it's a little bit difficult sometimes right now communicating that message. And so we think that these qualifiers will make that story much, much easier. And like the whole kind of story that we're trying to sell is that no matter who you are or, or where you're at, you play in one tournament, you win that one tournament, you get an invitation to go to a $250,000 event where the coolest dudes are. That's where, you know, the Frodians are going to be. That's where you're going to see the best players in the world. I don't know if you're going to make it. But <laughs> Sam, like, you're going to be there. This though. is where I'll okay, be so there. Okay, so the coolest sure. dudes yeah, will be, be there. there. But, you know, you win one event, and then all the, the streamers, the personalities, the best players that you've seen and you've been watching for years, you get to go and interact with them and, and have a shot to be a pro Hearthstone player. And that's a really cool dream that I think is, uh, is worth exploring. Uh, I have a question here. Do you ever plan on uh, banning the entire Blizzard-wide rule that their employees can't play in tournaments? <laughs> Dude, we got to save money for other people, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I want to slay, man. That's what I want to do. Oh. Oh, DJ, the, the exit's right over there. Man. <laughs> Turn in your badge anytime. Yeah. Well, he told me that I might not be at those events. <laughs> oh, right. So you have I have to, to find another player. way to qualify That's to them. Right. Well, you know, if you, I'm sure if you put on a mask or a little, you know, maybe a slice of bread over your face, people won't be able to tell you. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think you hit on some really good notes. I think one of the most frustrating things for a lot of players was they didn't even know if they qualified for some of these events. So I feel like this makes it a lot clearer. Um, and you actually touched, you touched a little bit upon the $250,000 events. Um, you know, what's the motivation behind that compared to, say, the tour stop system, which we had go all over the place, all over the world? It seems like you're doing less events but making them much grander. Yeah, I think that tour stops, while successful, stopped generating a lot of interest and buzz for people. There was just so many things going on with Hearthstone to where every single week you tune in, uh, we get to see your guys' beautiful faces, but there's a different event in a different part of the country or it's global games or it's collegiate. There was just so much Hearthstone esports going on that I think what was important and why it was important, that meaning got lost along the way. And there, there's so many, you know, five to $15,000 tournaments that those, again, stop becoming exciting. And so how do we do something that excites the casual player, that excites the professional players that have been going to all these tour stops? Um, those are huge, big events, like a $250,000 tournaments. We want uh, the, those weekends when they come out, we want those to be the hype weekends in Hearthstone, to where everybody tunes in, to where you take off work or you plan with your buddies to do a watch party because this is that moment where all the stakes are on the line, huge prize pool, open bracket to where people are coming in and qualifying from all over the world. You have the revered best players in the world that have already qualified in through this other tier. It will be a hodgepodge of the best and brightest from all around the world. That's worth tuning into. That's something that we can put messaging and stories behind. Um, and right now it's difficult for us to do that. And so we are going to start off with three in 2019. We want to do even more than that in 2020. But these are going to be the key marquee moments that we as Blizzard are able to put our big uh, uh, ideas behind in our, our marketing and our promotions. These is where, this is where we drive in tune in messaging is big $250,000 tournament. Come check it out. 
Yeah, that anybody can still qualify for. Just like the same, people are talking about like missing the ladder experience that's convenient. But you know, playing in these uh, these qualifiers, there's going to be lots of opportunities to do exactly that. Yeah, and, and, and we're still exploring ways to tie ladder into it somehow. Um, we think that there is a very uh, awesome thing that we have with ladder and we want to still encourage people to participate in it we're trying to find what that right loop is to figure out how we can get those people that are top performers on ladders and still reward them for their time and effort that they're putting in we'll have more information on that later but we under, but there's still an appeal there that we want to get at um, we just think that the main qualifying experience should come from playing in and winning a tournament interesting yeah. well, that's a little snippet that i didn't expect uh yeah not, really ma- not making ladder mandatory i guess is is the, the right way to put I think it it's yeah one yeah, yeah, for uh, for what seems to be a, a multi-step process, and I'm glad that you hit on the note of making these events really exciting. I gotta say that my favorite thing about the World Championships isn't just that we're crowning a single world champion, isn't just the excitement of the room. It's the fact that there's just high stakes, and like every move has like an implication. When Pavel polymorphed. Yeah. Uh, Amnesiac's Maligos. Oh, that yeah. was like a $25,000 play. Like, it you, was. When you contextualize that, that sounds really exciting. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that crazy thing happened. And that's what turns heads um, sometimes. And, and sometimes it even makes it hard for me to watch and cast. I'm like, oh man, if I was in that seat, I don't think I could handle that mentally. It's pretty yeah. uh, It's pretty exciting stuff. Um, the last thing we want to talk about is the premier level. I know you guys said that you couldn't share too much about it because uh, you know, there's more details going to be shared soon. But Sam, why don't you take a second to address that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, what people can expect is uh, an online competition with the best Hearthstone players in this specific region battling it out on a, on a weekly cadence. Um, these will be the, the best, the, some of the most popular Hearthstone players that we know of, uh, That not just present, but in past as well. And what we're trying to really accomplish with this is be able to give, once again, that runway for the best Hearthstone players in the world to start building up those personalities. We really think it's important that we as Blizzard, and we think that's, this is one of those things that we miss this year, is yes, we're identifying who the best players in the world are, but do they have that opportunity to make repeat occurrences to get their face, to get their brand out there? And we think that this is what the premier competition will do. We're giving them that breathing space and that opportunity because they've already proven that they're the best of the best. Um, we don't want them to go through that same rigorous trial that everybody else is going to be going through. So they don't have to, like, prove that they can hang. Like, I feel they've like already could, done that, right? Yeah, like Muzzy for, what, three years now has been, like, points leader or effective points leader qualifying for the world championship for multiple years it's like how many times do we need to have him start at zero ground zero with everyone else and yeah. has to once again show that he has that consistency so i think you hit a great point and the last thing i want to call out is they don't have to choose between you know being part of the community or being a pro and i feel like a lot of players unfortunately are stuck with that tough choice because if yeah. they want to participate with the community and like stream or create youtube videos or even travel to events and just like hang out and participate uh in, in a non-competitive way that's taking time away from them trying to be a professional player. And that felt like a really tough road that so many people have to walk. And, I mean, you look at players like Dog and Tice. I don't know how they've been able to do it. You know, yeah. They've been able to juggle both. Maybe they don't have to choose through something like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we got to leverage the fact that Hearthstone is probably one of the most streamable games that you could ever ask for. Like, uh, we, it is just such a great experience to watch. It's a great experience to stream. We want to be able to give that that lifestyle option to our professional players. And then not only that, but we have a lot of plans on our end about what we can do to support those guys. How can we start kickstarting some of these guys' uh, streaming careers and giving them tools to be successful? 
All right. Well, uh, Sam, that's all the time that we got. And I wish we could keep you for longer. We got to let you go. Um, is there anything else you want to say or like uh, final words or send off? Yeah. Uh, so I'm new to the Hearthstone community. So thank you guys for welcoming me so far. I hope you uh, like what uh, the team is going to be doing next year. Uh, we have a lot more announcements for you guys coming up, including uh, HCT 2019 World Championship and the details surrounding that. So just uh, stay tuned and I'll catch you guys next time we put out a big announcement and uh, looking forward to getting to know all of you. Sam, I know you're really busy planning holidays coming up and lots of things to look forward to. Appreciate the time. If you guys want to find out more information, check out blizz.ly slash esports2019. Again, that's blizz.ly slash esports2019 for all the information, including a nice little fireside chat with Jay and Sam where they can uh, show you guys what they're talking about a little bit. Awesome. Thank you. All right, TJ. Now that we got Sam in the studio and we had all these great things looking forward, let's look back with meme history. Ooh. This week's meme history wait, 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 wait. is uh, not necessarily... Hold on, Dan. Hmm? Hold on. And now it's time <laughs> for meme history. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I totally ruined it. Okay, so this week's meme history um, is not necessarily as much of a meme as it's kind of an inside joke between friends, but I, I tend to make a lot of bad predictions. People look at Trump, for example, um, Harsons Trump, as being a, a bad indicator for reviewing cards ahead of time because they just make fun of some of his predictions. To be fair, Trump's also made a lot of good predictions about some card reviews and sets, um, but I also have my fair share of bad ones. But uh, what I started doing as an exercise on social media is the day before the new set releases – I've been trying to list out a few bold predictions that I think will happen in the set. And there, there are things that are like I could be completely wrong about and look stupid. Like one of them for Witchwood was like Quest Shaman or Murloc Shaman is going to be like a good thing. Mm-hmm. Turns out it wasn't, but hey, I think Murloc Shaman is still underrated to this day. Um, for Boomsday, I said, hey, Mechathune is going to win games on the HCT stage, which ended up doing good. But I also said Drew is not going to be as great as you think it is, and it turned out to be pretty good. So, you know, th- this week – in honor of Rastakhan's Rumble coming out, and we are recording this the night before the expansion release, so even though you guys are watching us and Rastakhan Rumble is out, our bold predictions will be before any first card is played officially on the live server. So, TJ, before I give my bold prediction, I want to ask you, what is your bold prediction for Rastakhan's Rumble? My bold prediction for Rastakhan's Rumble is that the Life Coach prophecy will come true. Quest Hunter. Quest Hunter. Ooh. Life Coach made a storm on social media about how he thought that Quest Hunter would be overpowered in the best deck in the game. And when it was revealed. When it was way, revealed. This was uh, 2016 yeah. when um, we were looking at cards. Or sorry, 2017 for Journey mm-hmm. 2 and Goro. Uh, but I do think that Quest Hunter is getting some good ammo, and I do think that it will be a viable deck in the metagame. What's what's considered viable? A viable deck in the metagame above fifty percent win rate. Uh, above a fifty percent win rate, I would even go so far as to say above a fifty-two percent win rate. So tier two. So tier two, solidly tier two, and it will make its way into some tournament lineups. Not a lot, but some. It'll it'll, it'll be played yes. competitively on the HCT stage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the reason I say this uh, is for a few reasons, and I'm trying to find the card name right now for one of the cards, but uh, Halazi. Uh, the Lynx, uh, which fills your hand with 1-1 one, one Lynxes that have Rush. Uh, that's the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one is the 3-mana three 3-4 three, 
that gives every beast you draw plus two, plus two. I know which card you're talking about. You know which card I'm talking about. I'm looking through the set right now. I can't find the name. But the point is, there's I think that... There's synergy there. There's a lot of great synergy there, especially once the quest is completed. Oh. TJ, can I go one step even further beyond? Absolutely. Are all those cards odd-costed? Whoa. Because then you can play Odd Quest Hunter. And Odd two Quest ways Hunter. To win. Well, mainly one. You hero power them. But the second one, in case you can't hero power them, though, All right. in case they gain 60 armor as Druid or Odd Warrior. My new bold prediction. <laughs> Odd Quest Hunter <laughs> will be a playable deck in the metagame. What is your bold prediction? My bold prediction. My bold prediction, TJ, is that there are 23 legendaries in this set. Okay. There's five neutral plus two for each class. So that's 18. And 5 plus 18 is 23. And I would say, as of 23, 22 of them will see HCT competitive play and either qualify for, like, top 32s or, like, win games on stream, etc. They're going to prove their worth. I think Rostikov's Rumble set are, are filled with fantastic cards. I haven't been excited this excited for a set since probably Knights of the Frozen Throne. Like, I've been excited for other sets, of course, but in terms of my level of excitement, I really look forward to the set. I love a lot of the designs, where it's heading, and I like a lot of the legendaries. I think maybe one or two of them could be borderline. Like, they're what more is the one legendary? Huh? What is the one legendary? I, I don't want to say because I don't want I don't want to curse myself. Okay, but I do think one or two are like borderline memes, not exactly like super competitive, more fun. But a lot of them are very solid, especially the neutrals. All the neutral legendaries are my opinion, very solid and fantastic uh, and have their specific uses, even Grifta. So we'll see what ends up happening and could end up being my words. I'm going to make the full least tweet tonight for my bold prediction set and uh, I hope it goes well. <laughs> well, there's one more thing we have to do to wrap up the segment and that's for you to reveal what your Boomsday bold predictions were. Oh, no. Okay, my boomsday because this bold is the actual meme of meme history. It was your boomsday bold predictions. Right. I wrote my boomsday eve bold predictions. Druid number one, Druid won't be the best class or nerfed. And Druid at one point held the the title as the best class. And Aviana was nerfed. And, <laughs> that's not fair. It was wild. I, I wasn't expecting them to go back into the time machine and nerf Aviana. This is a wild. Bzz, it's a buzzer. Next one. Two. Instead, many players will ask for Paladin nerfs because mech slash aggro Paladin is going to be very powerful. Next. Three. Sleeper decks for Tier 2 or above. Tier 2 implies a 50% win rate or above, uh, making it legend viable for okay. most people. Uh, OTK mage. Okay. Big slash combo priest. So you're 50% there, because Zarek's Cloning Gallery Priest, I would say, is solidly in Tier 2 right and now. And if you think about it, playing Mana Worm on turn 1 is, is kind of like a turn 1 kill, because next turn is Primordial Glyph. Okay, 50%. Half a buzzer. Four, Mechathun will win games on the HCT stage. Okay. You, you got that one. So one and a half out of four. I would say like uh, a little bit over two. Not too bad. Like a tier two deck. Like It, it was like a 50%, 51% prediction. Not too bad, but still meme worthy. So thank you very much for that, Dan. And, of course, as always, we hope that this episode of Meme History helped to make the Hearthstone community a more inclusive place for all. Bzz. 
That does it for us today, TJ, for this episode of Talkstone. It's our last episode of the year. 2018 is coming to close because in two weeks from now we'll be celebrating the holidays. At least I hope I don't have to see you. Not in a bad way, but just I want <laughs> you to be enjoying your time off, TJ. You've, been, you've had a, a son four months ago, and I heard you're, you, you, you're moving. I'm buying a house. I know. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> it's not, that's not for everything me, else, not me there's Rastakhan's Rumble. That's right. Oh, man, that's the biggest thing happening in your life, the new expansion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, I believe both of us will be casting the All-Stars event in Taiwan. That's correct. That'll yeah. be really fun. Yeah, we're gonna we're both going to fly out on uh, the evening of Christmas. Not oh, Christmas yeah. Eve, the evening of Christmas to fly to Taiwan to cast the All-Stars event. I don't know. I'm, for one, I'm, I'm excited for it. I don't usually travel during the holidays, but uh, uh, for this time, I made an exception uh, because it should be – uh, a really fun event with a lot of cool, popular players, and uh, not too long after a new expansion, which means we yeah, should see some very spicy decks. Caliente. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching this episode of Talkstone. You can find Talkstone every other week at twitch.tv slash playhearthstone, 6 p.m. Pacific on Wednesdays. And you can also find the audio version on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. For all things competitive Hearthstone news and analysis, make sure to check out playhearthstone.com slash esports. We'll see you in the tavern.